Okay. Yay. No trucks. Hold on, was it? I can't ever <laughs> remember. Is it 20 or 25? That was 25. So. Oh, okay. Does the Keychron come with uh, um, greens or browns or blues? Gatoron reds is what I would choose, but they don't have it in stock, which is why I'm having a conundrum because I kind of want something now. But the only other real option is the uh, SK630 from Cooler Master. And there was something wrong with the keyboard that I didn't like. Um, right. I can't remember. So yeah. and once you go full custom, that that's you're looking at three hundred dollars for a keyboard, right? Well, the, the, but here's the thing, right? With this one, you can buy this one, but pay, pay, spend ten extra dollars to get the hot swappable version of it. Oh, well, oh, then you can come back later and spend another twenty five dollars. You can always 30. have this conversation on the show, you know. <laughs> Podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. From that part of Super Mario where the sun tries to kill you, I'm Joe. And this is Tony, and I'm about walked out. And looking for a low-profile mechanical keyboard, I'm Leo. This is episode 369.5, recorded on Sunday, the 5th of September. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mincast at mincast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mincast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mincast.org. First up, in our intersection, Debian 11 and what that means for LMDE. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. testing Debian because I think my main motivation to, for testing Debian was to figure out what LMDE is going to look like a little bit. And well, I, when I suggested this as a topic, uh, let's face it, it is the granddaddy of Linux All of them. because it's the daddy for Ubuntu yeah. and Ubuntu is the daddy for Mint. So it's the granddaddy. So we've got to look at it and give it a bit of kudos. Well, it's the base yeah. for a lot of operating systems. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it is extremely important, but it's also going to be extremely vanilla. Yeah, which a lot of people yeah. like. Oh, oh, um, so vanilla that when I tried to uh, turn off my machine the other day, I typed in power off in the terminal and was like, what's power off? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> what? I, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't get an opportunity to install this on anything, but um, tis, tis, I tis. did watch a couple of other people's reviews just so that I would be able to talk about something on the show today. And yeah, it is extremely vanilla. There's not a whole lot of extra added into it, but there shouldn't be with Debian. But um, one of the major things that one of the guys I watched was talking about was the fact that you can add flat packs and that gives you everything yes. that you need. So, yeah, if I were to install Debian 11, the first thing I would do would be to add flat packs and then all of the applications I installed would be flat pack. Yeah. So they'd be up to date and I'd be yeah. good to go. I think right now you're okay without Flatpak. I mean, software just continues churning out, but I mean, Debian won't update it. They'll just do security updates as far as everything is concerned. But I mean, if you install everything through apt that's available to you now, you'll be okay for maybe like a month or two or maybe even three. But 
eventually you're going to start looking. I mean, for me, in, in, in my case, it would be, oh, look at that. Caden Live had another release, and I don't have it. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Krita had another release, and I don't have it. So um, I've, yeah. I've been... Or some, some of the things that are already up out there in it uh, are already nine months behind before oh, yeah. the, you know when they released yep. it uh, but but that's not the point about Debian is nope. it the the point about Debian is it's rock solid uh obviously with the non not uh, with the free version and f- free as in freedom rather than free as in beer I'm talking about um we're you know, you are, you may come across a few glitches, which are, I did, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, I know, Leo, you went straight for the firmware ISO, didn't oh, you? Oh, yeah, 100%. And Nishan even mentioned it um, in uh, in chat. He says his, my, his Wi-Fi card doesn't work on non-free. And, I mean, that's going to be the case for, like, yeah. and all the, the people. Yeah, that was the issue I had as well. Yeah. yeah. So that's just one thing that you have to be aware of. And so it was months ago that Debian had announced that they were going to uh, put their non-free version of the ISO a little easier to find. I don't really find it very easy to find, but I mean, it's there if you look for it. And it didn't take me too long to find it. No, but I think the fact that unless you're installing it on a server or something with very, very known hardware, you're going to need the non-free one. So I really think it should be up at the top in big, bold letters saying, hey, if you got like, I don't know, a computer, you probably need this one. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I mean, as Tony said, I mean, that was the first one that I went to just because I didn't want to have to deal with it. I didn't want to have to think about what modules I needed or anything like that during the install. It's like, hey, we found this hardware that I don't have a module. Please insert the disk for the module. No, I just have it. Just let me install my thing and then get out of there. So, yeah, the, I mean, the install was good. It was it was very nice, easy. I mean, it's it's exactly what you expect from Debian, super simple. And on the Saturday show... Um, that was, that was one of the big topics that we ended up talking about was Debian 11, how it worked. And so we had, uh, Nishant and Norbert come in and just kind of talk to me about it. And Josue in the chat was asking about some things that I encountered in other distributions as well. So in, in chaos, I think it was, um, and in Debian 10, it seemed to me that sandboxing for app images was not up to snuff. Therefore, any app image that required a sandbox did not launch. And the only way you'd figure out that it didn't work other than you double click on it and nothing happens is run it through the terminal and then it'll tell you, you know, sandbox error, can't create the sandbox. You probably need to install this and do this and do this. And it's like, but that was in Debian 10. So testing for Josue, I installed uh, or I downloaded the app image for Joplin in Debian 11, double clicked it and it worked just fine. So whatever they did between Debian 10 and Debian 11, which is likely just, update some software, uh, things are working great, which means that the the problem that I had on Chaos was Bitwarden. I couldn't get it to launch in the sandbox. I had to install it over Flatpak. Um, that would also work in Debian 11. So it seems like app images are going to work a whole lot better in Debian 11 as well. So that, that translates to LMDE whenever that decides to come out, when they get everything ported to Debian. Um, you say that I had a problem with app image. Uh, oh no! <laughs> get what, one to install. what did you do? Yes. What happened? <laughs> well, I I haven't figured out how to resolve it yet. I I only tried it today and uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. What's going <laughs> with on? With an app image. Yeah. What app is this? <laughs> Uh, well, it was before I figured out how to install Zoom, so I went and downloaded oh. the app image of Zoom, and it wouldn't work. 
that again it was it might be something to do with the sandbox i don't yeah. know uh but uh i couldn't get it to work and then i figured out the reason i couldn't get the zoom client to install from the zoom website was because gdebby wasn't installed oh yeah 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 and i installed gdebby and it worked fine yeah, there it is right that's it so yeah so um so basic debian is that it doesn't even come with a deb installer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, I mean, I've got it in my notes. We kind of talked about it a little while ago, but um, I mean, the the whole firmware thing, the get get the get the non free disk because if you don't, um, and your network cards are involved in any of that, uh, you get to revisit SneakerNet from back in the day. I guess sometimes SneakerNet still still sneaks up on you, but yeah, that's it. But um, so after that Saturday show, over the next week, I tested Debian 11 on my ThinkPad T450s, and I mean, it's Debian. Like, well, what what do you want from Debian, right? Why are you installing Debian and not one of the other flavors of Linux, right? So if you're if you're installing Debian for its stability, well, that's still there. It's stable as a rock. Software is pretty new at this point. I mean, uh, again, if you're looking for the latest and greatest, you're going to need Snap or Flatpak. But both of those things are available. Flatpak is there at version 1.10.2, and that included the um, uh, I, it's not compression, but I think it's it's the better downloading stats and downloading smaller packages in general. So flat packs tend to be smaller. That's there. And then uh, if you want to go the snap D route instead, 2.49 is available in Debian. So neither of those are going to get uh, even minor revision upgrades. It'll just be security patches that you get. So be aware that if there's some new things in flat pack or snap that come out, you're not going to get those, not until Debian 12 or maybe Debian testing or Debian SID if you want to get crazy with it. But um, yeah, I don't think that's recommended. <laughs> so, Tony, how'd you get on with it? Well, uh, when it first came out, I uh, I, I bunged it into a uh, GNOME boxes installation uh, using the free ISO, and obviously because it was in a virtual machine, that installed fine. One of the things uh, with the stock ISO, I find, is they're still sticking like glue to their own installer with the stock ISO. And it's, we were talking about, you know, the Mint uh, website looking very 2000s. Well, the stock installer, you know, if if you're used to Ubuntu and, you know, Ubuntu derivatives and all that using uh, Calamaris, it's looking very, very dated. Mm, Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if you're not used to using that particular installer and you're used to using uh, Calamaris, then you might might just get a bit of a, what's this all about, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Well, if you're installing Debian, man... <laughs> yeah, well, particularly particularly when you come to the partition section, uh, because it's not quite as straightforward as it you know as it is on Calamaris. But um, yeah, like you say, it's very stable. It you know it installed well. You know, got it installed. You know, it was working fine. Didn't do a lot of investigation with it because I wasn't feeling very well at the time. Uh, but then uh, just before I went on holiday last week, I tried to install it onto my little Dell uh, E6220, which is a Gen 2 i5 laptop that I've got. Uh, and again, I was using the free uh, ISO and a the Wi-Fi issue came up, couldn't get it installed. Of course, of course. Uh, so I kind of, at that point, I was just about to go away on holiday, so I kind of gave up on trying to put it onto some hardware. Uh, but while I was away, uh, I thought, 
you know, I, in between all the walking, we were we did have a bit of chill time, and I, I thought, oh, I'll I'll download the you know the Marte uh, uh, ISO with the um, firmware on it, and I downloaded that, and I I did a dual boot on my uh, E seven four four O that I had. With That's me. a sign of a true nerd. I'm on vacation, but I'm gonna still tinker <laughs> with Linux a bit. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> On holiday, I can do what I want. I've gone on vacation specifically Uh, just to do tech stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, So anyway, I had to play with it, and this time the Wi-Fi card worked, uh, so I was able to install it because luckily I wouldn't have had a a wire connection (laughs) while I was away. I was relying on the Wi-Fi working. And, um, yeah, installed fine. Calamaris was a a bit refreshing because it was there. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was good. Uh, I did, once I'd got it installed, I tried to install Zoom and came up with the issue that, uh, like I just said, talked about you've not got a deb package manager so uh, i wasn't sure what was going on but i did manage to find out that you can install gdebby so i managed to do that and i have managed to install zoom that way first but uh, before i figured that out i thought oh i wonder if this is snap so i installed snap d and then when i tried to install core snap core i got an error message saying it couldn't find the server that the core was on. So that didn't work. So I tried the app image, and that was when the app image wouldn't work. So then further investigation, I managed to download GDebbie and get it to work that way. So that was a bit of a roundabout way to get one piece of software installed. So I wonder Uh, if... um, I guess I'll try that too. So this is Zoom, the app image, uh, what... what the way that I figured out that it was a sandbox on those other applications was that you run it through the terminal. I mean, wherever you downloaded it, just dot slash and then the app image, and it'll give you error text. If it doesn't open, it'll give you some kind of text right. or whatever. So I'll, I'll give that a go, and we'll talk about that a little bit more on Saturday. Yeah, okay. Um, on a positive note, on the Dell 6220, uh, we talking about this before the show, that machine had a duff battery and i mean totally no charge hold on the battery at that's all. right because i'd left it in the cupboard and for for several months and not used it and next time i switched it on the battery was totally gone so uh I've been running it on mains ever since, and the battery's never tried to charge or anything. But last night, I was playing playing around with it after installing uh, the uh, uh, Debian install on it. And I had a look down on the taskbar and noticed that there was a bit of life in the battery. And I thought, I hovered my mouse over, and it's saying it's 12% charged. It's alive! (laughs) It's alive! (laughs) So that was about half past ten last night after we'd been on, you know, been on the Saturday uh, The the battery was just waiting Um, for you to install its first love, Debian, I think. And it was like, okay, I'll behave. I put it to I put it to sleep and left the uh, the mains connector attached to it. And when I got up this morning, it was fully charged, uh, and the battery's holding a eighty nine percent charge. And I, I've proved it's not a glitch in the software because I've been running it for an hour before the show off the battery. So it's not it's not just saying that it's fully charged. There is actually a charging right. Battery. And this is before where you would unplug it and it would die, right? 
and it go yeah. <laughs> it just crashed huh. completely because there was nothing so in maybe there. <laughs> maybe what it was was when you took it wait, is this the this is not the one that you took uh on holiday right yeah no, okay no. so it thought you left it for good during your holiday and it was like yeah. no please i'll I'll, 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 I'll even i'll even make my battery work come on <laughs> So, as we were talking last night, you know, that's probably saved me 19 quid or $25, you know, because that's what the batteries cost on Fleabay at the moment. Fleabay, I love for it. For an aftermarket one. Yeah. So, yeah, saved a couple of quid. There you go. That's that's dinner uh, right there. Uh, Yeah, maybe dinner for no. one. <laughs> I guess if you're getting it delivered, man, uh, that's, that's about 15 yeah, bucks around that's here. That's like, you know, four pizzas. <laughs> Listen, they have expanded their um, their their repertoire of pizzas, man. They have like a thin crust pepperoni that's pretty fantastic now. Um, oh, by by the way, uh, if you're in the U.S., you probably know what Little Caesars is. It's probably some of the cheapest pizza that you can buy. I've always been fine with it, but um, now they they have some pizza. They have a Supreme now. They have uh, a thin crust pepperoni now, which hey, is they're, I, they're decent, I, I man. To, I have to custom order my my thin crust Hawaiian, so. Oh, oh! But that, that, that's really delicious, and a whole pie is like two thousand calories, so I can wreck the whole thing. <laughs> so, I guess overall, um, yeah, this this was more just like a preview look of what we're gonna encounter with LMDE. Well, I guess it would be five, right? Well, I wasn't using LMDE; right. I was using Marte. But um, you 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 downloaded the LMDE? No, 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 no. Um, so. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, no, sorry. I'm thinking. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking of Alex. Oh. No, you're talking. You're talking about Linux Mint, aren't you? Debian no, edition. No, and if Dan is still yeah. in the chat, his ears just perked up real hard. But <laughs> yeah. no, I actually, uh, I actually yeah. did plasma. I should have done cinnamon, but but the reason that I didn't was because I don't think Debian has cinnamon 5.0. So things would actually it, it would it would not be a real clear look as to what LMDE5 is going to actually be because there's been a lot of changes in cinnamon since then since the freeze version of what Debian has of cinnamon so i didn't want to yeah, i didn't want to taint it i didn't want to do that yeah and also even though it'll be based on Debian 11 right uh Clem will still do a few things in addition, and there'll probably be a few things that are more up-to-date than they are on the main. Right, uh, and one of those things is going to be the current version of Cinnamon. So we'll have a later version of Cinnamon in LMDE than they do in Debian, just simply because, I mean, that's kind of the point, is you get all of and the things. And you thing. won't worry, have to worry about firmware either. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no ambiguity with whether or not you get firmware on LMDE or not. Uh, you will get the firmware. That... I, I think, to be honest with you, it's probably one of the better implementations of um, as pure of a Debian experience as you can get because, you know, the stability is there. The The things that might be weird on you is the desktop environment, um, but there have been a lot of fixes to Cinnamon that won't be there in Debian. So the, in, in my opinion, if you want a Cinnamon Debian experience, LMDE is going to be the best way to do it because it's going to be a lot of fixes that we have in the Ubuntu version of Cinnamon that just won't exist any other way. So it, get it from the source, I guess, is uh, kind of what I'm getting at if you're, if you're a Cinnamon person. But um, I, I don't think Mate and XFCE are going to get that same treatment. I think they're just going to use the versions that exist. I think I think it's difficult for us to give it a really full True. review because none of, none of us use it as our daily driver. Of course. But 
you know, just having a look at it for a few hours, you know, over the last week or so, you can you can tell how it, it you know it gives you that stable base for mint and Ubuntu and all the other flavors that you know all the other spins that use it. Yeah. Uh, and add to it. Yeah, I think long story short, uh, if you're if you're an LMDE user, this is going to be a nice, needed, good, mm-hmm. stable upgrade for you, and I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but the other thing you've got to remember is the server world. Oh, true. And the, and the fact, you know, we're talking about you've not got any Wi-Fi, but how many server farms <laughs> use Wi-Fi? Exactly. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not worried about no Wi-Fi driver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you want a very rock-solid server install, you're going to get it with Debian. Yeah, I, I think so, 100%. And then you just go slap Docker on it, and then you still get the latest and greatest or uh, Snap for the underpinnings for whatever server uh, server type software you're using. Because uh, I'll do that with um, with Git T is a snap at the moment, and my next cloud is a snap at the moment. Um, and that would work just the same on Debian. So maybe one day I'll get fed up with Ubuntu or something, and I'll move fully to Debian. <laughs> that day is not today or tomorrow, but maybe one day. <laughs> I thought you'd have gone to LMDE first. No. Well, you know... For a desktop, maybe, but you know, if I were doing server things, I would probably just go straight Debian. Oh, you're talking about as your ser- server yeah. of choice. Yeah, uh, but you know, yeah. I, I I do still enjoy Cinnamon. I think Plasma is a very very close second. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what I would do if. Uh, how long does Debian um, do security updates for on each release? Uh, don't quote me on this. I want to say five, but. So they do do. So even though it'll be, uh, it'll move to long-term support after the next release. There is there is a fairly good length of time uh, before they stop giving security updates. Yeah, I want to see if I can find it because uh, I know they have a thing, Debian support. I want to see if they've got because it. it might even be longer than that. Uh, yeah, I was I was wondering. Yeah, it looks like because obviously with Ubuntu on the long term supports, you can you get five years as standard, and then if you're you're in you know commercial world, you can actually buy longer support on top. Right, right. Um, so Debian nine is currently in LTS, and I know it's not the Debian guys that actually do the support for this. They they give it to somebody else, and then they handle it. I think it's more of a community thing than anything. Oh, right. But it looks like the main support is two years. And if I'm reading this yeah, right... Yeah, it's usually around two years. But definitely main support doesn't end until the next release comes out. So if that's delayed... Right. And so I want to say it looks like six, six years. So you get wow. two and that's then good. it'll fall. Um, yeah, I guess so. This is really, this is not the easiest thing to read. <laughs> what I'm looking at right now. Uh, oh man anyway so I'll, I'll i'll dig up a little bit more on that and we'll have an answer for you in a little bit but um yeah i guess that does it for uh for our innards lmd is looking good it'll it'll shape up they're gonna probably just take the cinnamon that, that we're running on now and slap that on top of debian 11 and then we'll have a full experience It'll be good all right well in the meantime let's head down to vibration from the I'm interested in this email, but I don't want to read it. So, when you want to take one? I'll take this first one. Yeah. Uh, so, this is from Henrik. 
he says, hello, I've heard you say words like Windows, Mac OS, BSD, and even Linux. But have you ever heard of Haiku OS? Would be interesting uh, to listen to any opinion or knowledge of it. Well, I've definitely heard of it, but I can't say I've played with it much. Uh, he, he has given a link in his uh, email. All right, so I'm looking at it now. Um, Haiku is an open source operating system that specifically targets personal computing inspired by the BOS, B-E-O-S. Haiku is fast, simple to use, easy to learn, and yet very powerful. Wasn't BOS uh, trying to clone Windows uh, originally? Kind of be a Windowsy clone and use some of the Windows kind of... Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard the name just like you, Tony, but I don't know much about this at all. Um, I mean, they're hitting funding fundraising targets. Uh, that their twenty one twenty twenty one fundraising has is like forty six dollars away from its ten thousand dollar target, and we're not even all the way through twenty twenty one yet. So it looks to me like there's a there's a good group of community folks behind all of this. Now, BOS um, was um, first developed in 1990, and it was positioned as a multimedia platform and a competitor to classic Mac OS and Microsoft Windows, but it did not re- get a good market share. Okay, here we go. Uh, so it wasn't trying to emulate either of them. It was just trying yeah. to compete. No, with- yeah, and it's, it's got, they've got some more information in their FAQ. So what is Haiku? Haiku is a fast, efficient, easy-to-use, and lean open-source operating system inspired by the BOS that specifically targets personal computing. And another question is, uh, where does the name Haiku come from? Haiku is named after the classical three-line Japanese poetry form. Haiku poetry is known for its quiet power, elegance, and simplicity. Um, And then further down, is Haiku based on Linux? Haiku is not a Linux distribution, nor does it use the Linux kernel. Haiku is a spiritual successor to BOS and is derived from the new OS kernel, which was authored by Travis Gieselbrecht, who was formerly employed by B Inc., the developers of BOS. So why not Linux? Linux-based distributions stack up software. The Linux kernel, the X-Window system, the various DEs with disparate toolkits such as GTK and QT that do not necessarily share the same guidelines and or goals. This lack of consistency and overall vision manifests itself in increased complexity in insufficient integration and inefficient solutions, making the use of your computer more complicated than it should actually be. Wait, actually be? Instead, (laughs) Haiku has a single focus on personal computing and is driven by a unified version for the whole OS. So this sounds to me like the same track that BSD is going down. So, I mean, that, right? Because... Everything in, in BSD is, is very slimmed down and specific, and these are the choices that we're going to make. And so you, you can decide to make some other choices or whatever. I mean, as, especially as uh, GTK and QT go, because, I mean, you can run uh, Plasma or you can run GNOME on top of a BSD. But um, I think tight integration is what BSD is about, and then Haiku just takes that one step further and says, here you go, here's the whole thing, all of the things. A bit like um, Apple do with uh, Apple OS. You've you've got it, and that's so it. This sounds like <laughs> In more a of a topic for Distro Hoppers Digest than it does for probably Mintcast. Yeah, <laughs> probably get Dale 
dial to run. Well, you know, I think we could we could shunt it into Mintcast by saying, you know, hey, let's run Haiku and see if we can get Zoom going. <laughs> and then this is this is why we use Linux Mint instead. Hey, and if we do, we're doing better than we did on Debian. <laughs> yep, that's that's it, man. Uh, if you can beat Debian, that's that's a that's a pretty tall order, though. <laughs> Yeah, so Dan Dan yeah, says yeah. BOS was great, but sadly didn't catch on. Uh, he used it way back when for a bit, like BSD, but focused on a desktop experience. So this is, um, I guess that is that is haiku, and you know um, that's what uh, Pro Bono PD. I can never remember the guy's name, but that's his Twitter handle. Um, he's doing Hello System, which is on top of BSD. It's a very Mac-like experience. I, I would I would really kind of um, compare it to Elementary OS. It doesn't have the polish on it, but that's kind of the vibe they're going for. And very, um, very, I guess, like Mac 10.4. I think that's really kind of what, what it seems like they're going for. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it seems to be pretty decent. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would spin it up. At the very least, it'd be worth a, a trial in a VM or something. But uh, I do wonder. I mean, yeah, it looks like, is there an instant messenger client? And none of them are ones that I'm familiar with. Um, IRC has Vision, Quassel, WeChat, and ERC. For Matrix, there's uh, Quaternion and Neko, XMPP, Renga, Kaya, and Vacuum. Those might be available on Linux, but I don't know if those were made for Linux rather than just you know written in C or Rust or something and imported too. Yeah, but most of it's probably yeah. ports. Yeah, I mean, because you got LibreOffice. LibreOffice is available in the Haiku Depot. What is the Haiku Depot area? Haiku Depot. Yeah, the package manager. Yes, Haiku comes with a powerful package management system. Makes it easy. Applications are distributed as package files, which can either be installed from Haiku Depot or downloaded directly from websites. So it sounds to me like the package style is like a DMG in Mac and like app image in Linux where it's all just in one package. Huh. Pretty interesting. I mean, it's worth a look. Um, Henrik, it's worth a look. I'll take a look. I don't know if I'll come back with anything positive, but <laughs> I'll take a look. <laughs> that might be something else we can do on, on the Saturday show. Just um, tinker around with this and learn a little bit more about this because this FAQ is massive. It would take forever to get through it, but um, yeah, that, that's, it's a topic for a Saturday show just to kind of faff around and see what's, see what's going on with it. Okay. Well, if nothing else, we could run it in a, in a virtual yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. hundred percent. All right. I'll, I'll take this next one from, uh, Hank. All right. And he's talking about pies here. I love these little things. I'm astonished that I can hold an entire headless PC in the palm of my hand and which can run full blown Linux complete with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Thank you for reminding me that there are multi-boot options. I need to look into those. My version of multi-boot is a collection of SD cards and old, retired, cheap SSDs. I much prefer to run the Pi 3s and Pi 4s from an SSD. The Pi 4s have been troublesome in this regard, and I'd like to share what I learned about this. I really don't like to use powered hubs. There is a the potential problem with backfeeding through the USB 3 connection to the hub. I really wish the foundation had configured the USB-C for both data and power. Yeah, don't we all? 
Um, and yeah. I, I also want to mention that I do know about the, the back feeding problem and I do use a powered hub, but, uh, the back feeding problem has, while it has sometimes made things difficult to power down the pie, I've never noticed any other problems than that. Um, he goes on to say to the point I have discovered some SSDs work without difficulty directly connected to the USB three and using the UAS driver and some won't even boot. The ones that don't work include crucial MX 100 and Samsung Evo models. The ones that do include the inland micro center house brand, 120 and 240 gigabyte SSDs. And an old C. Man, you guys are so lucky. You guys are so lucky being so close to a micro center. Apparently, Hank is close enough to get there. God. It's it's nice being able to walk in and (laughs) and pay 20 bucks for a 120 gig SSD. You shut your mouth, Joe. It's great. Maybe I'll go and do it right after the show and send you some pictures. Yeah, you, yeah, you will. You at least you guys have got Micro Center. We don't have it over here. Well, everybody can come visit me, and we'll all swing through Micro Center. How does that sound? Ah, uh, much better. And an old Seagate 600 240 gigabyte SSD. The ones that work are not noted for stellar write performance. I believe those that those that provide better performance also require more power to achieve this. Those faster drives work fine with UAS disabled on the USB 2 ports on the 4B and on the 3B models. Incidentally, the 240 gigabyte inland does show decent write performance plugged into my Intel desktop and benchmark with GNOME disks, and they're cheap. I get them through Amazon as Micro Center is about 40 minutes away and is a very dangerous place to visit. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So there, there's yeah. a caveat to his you Micro Center st- visits. Well, and you can still order things online from Micro Center, and he gets it, the inlands through Amazon. I, I would have thought the danger is you need to hide your wallet when you're yeah, walking well, through I the door. No, the- I need to let my <laughs> wife hold onto my wallet when I walk in. That's that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm running Home Assistant on a Pi 3B and inland 120 gigabyte SSD, and it normally uses about 3% CPU and reports more than half the RMA free. I'm also running an MQTT broker, Mosquito, on the same Pi and an MQTT client that saves all traffic to an SQLite database, so... I can look back someday. Um, I'm not. That's sure. me. What, I'm like, let me give me all the stats. Right. I'll never look at them, but give them to me anyway. <laughs> can you, do you know off the top of your head what MQTT is? I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't. Um, no, no, let me see. Yeah, I like having the ability to you know look up data later on. Oh, it's like for communication with IoT things. Uh, okay, so he's recording all of the uh, messaging. In his IoT system. Bidirectional communications, uh, scales up, uh, support over unreliable networks, but reliable message delivery, and, and all secured. So, yeah, it's, it's controlling your IoT devices with messaging. Hmm, cool. And, and no, Pi content won't ever chase me away. I should also look at... And in- that was to you. Yeah. That was to you, because you were saying that, you know, did too much Pi content might scare people away. But I figure most folks are like, Hank, I mean... Well, I, I got um, more planned for the future. I've already got my, my next yeah. project in line, so... Well, most folks are, you know, have a Pi or are Pi adjacent, as in they know somebody that has a Pi. So 
you know, I, I feel like um, there's always a pie in the corner gathering dust that needs some loving. Yeah. Well, and maybe these shows help with that. I, I've got to, I, I, I'll hang my head in I, I, shame. I've yeah, got so several. I've, no, I've, I've got a pie one that uh, hasn't been put into production in a while that I need to do something with. I've got at least uh, two Pi Zero Ws that I need to do something interesting with. Um, I've got my Pi 4, but I'm using that right now. And yeah. Uh, there's also a 3B that was hooked up to my son's little handheld, but he broke the screen on it. So uh, I'll be reclaiming that one. And I think it also has a 128 gig micro SD card in it. So I'll probably pull that and find something else to do with it. Now, he goes on to say, I should also look into Pixie Boot. But my file server is on a LAN separated from an IoT. LAN and devices on the IoT LAN are not allowed to connect to the homeland. Smart hey, man. If you get Pixie Booting working, tell me all about it. We will. I will even invite you on the show to come and talk about it. If you get Pixie Boot working <laughs> correctly, I mean seriously, you can come and, and talk on the show and tell us all about how you set it up and how awesome it is, and then walk me through all the steps. Put him on the spot like that. Hey, you want on the show? <laughs> this is how you do it. Uh, I've run benchmarks including DD, FIO, IOZone, and Bonnie++ to verify that the SSD will play well under load. I also keep a terminal open in an SSH session so it doesn't disappear if the Pi crashes, running dmessage tac tac follow so I can see if there are any problems with the SSD. Thanks again. Now, that that is a really cool setup, um, and I love hearing about it. I mean, if you want to come on and sometime and talk about pies, Hank, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't think. I mean, well, anything you can do on a pie, you can technically do on any other version of Linux. So, I mean, a pie show is really just a Linux show, yeah. isn't it? Well, my plan <laughs> just for... well with a low-powered Linux show. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, it was a. That... I know there's lots and lots of different things that'll run on a pie now, but when it first came out. Well, you know, it was pure True. Linux, wasn't it? Uh, by, by the way, by the way, that's a whole new show. Um, low-powered Linux show. That's it. So you, you just, you run pies or yeah, you run the banana thing. But then you thing, get into the argument you, of what qualifies as low power. Does a pie count as low power? Or are we talking like MSP430 low power? I mean, I, I would imagine if it uses less than about 25 watts or so to power an entire machine that may run more than one instance of Linux, that that would that would qualify. Okay. But to be honest with you, it, it would be whoever makes low power well, Linux we'll just make show. It, we'll make, that would be their decision. We'll, we'll, we'll make um, um, an Arduino show. Hey, see, see, but that, that's <laughs> in the, in the, still in the same vein. It's still low powered. It's still that that same kind of idea. I'd, I'd say do it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make an Intel Edison show. Do they still make the Edison? I don't know. And then the oh the uh, the Jetson the Nvidia Jetson would count I would say because yeah. uh, it it is a little single board uh, just single board computing oh, in general. So we're, we're, we're going to take over uh, Flying Rich's old show the the single board computer show. See see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next mail is from Raphael. He says, "Hello guys, in KDE Dolphin, there's a feature called Open Externally Opened Folders in New Tabs." Sources one and two, uh, those sources didn't come over. I'll make sure when I publish the uh, show notes that those are there. Um, but it goes to Nate Graham's blog, uh, and it and it basically talks about, well, he, he gets into it. So the idea is to open a new tab rather than a new window when a window is already open. 
I want this feature on Linux Mint Cinnamon each time a USB device is inserted. And I did go and test this and I was like, okay, let me open up a, a window, files window, Nemo, and plug in a flash drive. And then a whole new window opens up. So what he's talking about is he wants that second window not to open up at all, but open up in a tab in the existing window already. So anyway, uh, Raphael says, is it a good topic for the show? How to formulate a good feature request, getting support for the idea, finding funding, a developer to work on it. What do you think? It made me realize that I was lacking some history of KDE and Linux Mint. There's no KDE version today, and I understand there won't be. One existed, though. What happened? This would interest me. Keep up the good work. So there's a few different things in there. Number one, Nate Graham is pretty fantastic. He keeps up with all of the KDE goings-on. Um, I forget. It's something like Pointy Stick or something like that uh, is his blog. Uh, were you going to say something, Tony? Yeah, I, I was just going to say about the KDE version. I think I think part of the problem with KDE is because it's QT based. Uh, it was a it was a slightly more complex process to create the ISO rather than the Mate Cinnamon because they were all GTK based. So they had a lot of things that were, for, you know, similarities. Whereas when you're going over to K KDE, you're going over to a whole new base system, which made things a bit more complex. And I think that's probably one of the reasons they decided it was getting to be harder work and uh, the, the resources could be used uh, a lot a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more efficiently elsewhere, concentrating on the other I think systems. That's, I mean, I think that's that's pretty much all true. I, I would be interested in kind of the history of how that happened and why. I bet you money. Um Clem publicly talked about it at some point when uh, when the ISO was dropped, and that was back in Linux Mint 18, I think. Uh, maybe it was a transition to 19. That's when that's when we no longer had a KDE version. Um, but it would be interesting to know when, why, and how. Like have have you know actual Clem's words on that um, to kind of get some clarification. But I think you're right. I think Tony, in general, you're you're pretty much spot on with all of it. It's a whole separate stack. A QT stack versus the GTK stack, and I bet you money that's exactly why we don't have the KDE version. Though I do agree with you, Raphael. Um, if there were a Linux Mint Plasma again, I would probably drop Cinnamon for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> I, I think the fact that Cinnamon is the way that it is right now on Linux Mint that that's that's what's keeping me here. But if there were, you know, if Linux Mint decided to drop Cinnamon or something like that, I would too. Um, they're the reason I like cinnamon the most. So without them, I would probably just gravitate back over to plasma again. But um, to your um, to your other question, the feature request, um, I looked it up. GitHub feature request Linux Mint. You just go to their GitHub, and uh, let me see right here. It's I'm going to put this link in the show notes. We need to have this so I can have it for you. But it's right here. So in their troubleshooting guide. They have um, a question. It's an FAQ kind of style. It says, can ideas or feature requests be submitted? The answer is yes. So out of the FAQ, they say, yes, absolutely. GitHub issues aren't necessarily bug reports. So you'll, you'll be submitting a GitHub issue. Um, it goes on to say, they can also be ideas or feature requests. When submitting an idea or a feature request, try to indicate this in the issue title so that it's immediately clear to developers that they're not looking at a bug report, right? So the idea is to don't make it look like it's broken. That, but but do make it look like this is uh, something that you would like to see in the future. So, um, you know, really quickly, they, they basically go on to say, don't worry, we're going to close it. That GitHub issue will be closed, but it's not that we're ignoring you. It's that we're basically 
going back to the drawing board on this particular feature and putting everything together and finding out whether or not it's implementable or and if it is um it'll likely come up on the uh, on the roadmap so you'll just have to kind of keep an eye on the roadmap so that's really the idea if you're familiar with github open an issue on cinnamon or on nemo i guess it would be and uh, see if you can't express exactly what you want there especially because uh, Nate Graham already kind of describes that type of functionality. Just, I would say, copy and paste what uh, what he said. Make make a note that it's from Nate Graham over on KDE Plasma Land. And um, just let him know that you want to see that. And hopefully something like that would uh, will, will organically sprout up. I got to say, I, I prefer a second window um, to pop up. In my opinion, I like it, a second window, because I drag and drop between my already existing window and the second window that pops up. I feel like it's more, uh, it's better for me anyway, because if it opened up in a tab, I would quite likely just drag that tab out and open up a separate window with it anyway. All right. Well, that does it for our vibrations from the ether. Let's head down to check this out. You know, Nisha made a good point. Uh, and I, I was reading the chat as the music was playing. Um, we do have LXQT, so there's got to be more to it then. There's more to Plasma than just QT versus GTK. So that's something, yeah, I, okay, that, that's just another reason why we need to bring up the history about that and why we don't have a KDE version, because uh, I would like one. But, um, you know, if that never happens, then Cinnamon it is. Anyway, so check this out. Uh, I had one software, so I've been using a lot of Caden Live. I've been dealing a lot with uh, video, multiple videos, and yeah, editing them and all that kind of stuff. I still use Audacity quite a bit, but there's some changes in OpenShot that kind of make me wonder whether or not that workflow would be better, different, awesome. I don't know. But OpenShot 2.6 was just released, and in that version, they have better tracking support in the timeline, making it easier to identify and zoom in on parts of the video. Sometimes Kane Live will get to this point where I have the thing selected, like my line is on the timeline. And when I control scroll up to zoom in, it zooms in on the front of the video. Why? I don't know why it does that. I don't need it to do that. There was no indication that I wanted it to do that at all. I have my cursor over here. So I don't know. I'll, I'll try out OpenShot just to see what, what's going on. I think, honestly, my biggest issue is that I'm editing a two-hour video. But um, uh, additionally, there's camera stabilization. So if you're like me and, you know, you... you um, you shake your foot a lot while you're talking or doing stuff, right? Like I have, I have these things that I do. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why I do them. They're ticks, I guess. But you know, I'll, I'll shake my hands or I'll shake my feet or I'll do something because uh, focus, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that that will get this camera right here to shaking. And in OpenShot, it'd be really cool to get camera stabilization on that. And so you know, basically the uh, the video image just kind of moves with the camera to keep everything nice and stable um, in, in the actual final edit, which is really kind of cool. And there's also tracking and object detection. So, I mean, you know, as a face walks by, you can get tracking detection on that. So this is a face, and it, it kind of tracks that. Um, the image that they have on the OpenShot uh, release video is of cars, buses. You know, is it a car, is it a bus, whatever it is. That was really, really cool. And then they've added some, and this is what got me to thinking, like, maybe I could translate the workflow over to OpenShot because... Um, I already do my audio editing in Audacity, and then I bring that into Caden Live, and that's fine. I don't mind doing that at all. 
But now, OpenShot has uh, compressor delay and echo. So among some other, uh, some other really cool things, but compressor, that's the big thing that I have to do in Audacity before I can bring it over is get that, get all the audio normalized, um, you know, try to reduce as much of the, uh, uh, of the junk in the background that we don't need, and then give a nice consistent compress on all of that stuff. So we're, so, you know, me, Tony, Joe on the show are all pretty close in in volume right so when someone screams that gets pulled down and when someone whispers that gets pushed up a little bit that so that that's compression um and now openshot has something like that so I'll, I'll tinker around with it i'm curious about it um but they don't have a noise reducer and that's the that's the thing i need a noise reduction software and to be quite honest with you audacity's noise reduction is probably one of the best in the business no matter, i don't care if you pay a hundred dollars for it audacity's is way up there as far as, you know, pulling out things that you don't want. It's fantastic. So, OpenShot. Tony, you said you've played with OpenShot, maybe just a quick... I've used it a little bit. Um, I've started posting little uh, videos of some of the models that I've restored on YouTube, and uh, I stick them into OpenShot just to get them going. Um, but... Uh, Nothing really complex. I have stitched a couple of uh, videos together using OpenShot, and then uh, exported them out. Yeah, I've done. I've video. done some simple editing like that. Just stitch some things together, do a quick fade here and there. Uh, but I've never actually done the type of work that I do in Caden Live in OpenShot. So it might be worth a try just to see if I can kind of get similar. Um, I, I guess just a similar result out of that. That would be that would be really nice. As I said to you last night when we were having a chat, um, it was one. It's one of those things that you've really got to play around with for a oh, few yeah. hours, you know, and and start with simple stuff and then you know go on to more complex stuff. I now class myself as reasonably proficient using uh, the GIMP, but uh, you know when I first started, I w it was very very basic yep. stuff, maybe crop. In, you know, uh, and things like that, maybe scaling up a few photos. But uh, nowadays I do quite, you know, more complex stuff, yeah. you know, and, and start actually editing the photo, you know, down at the pixel level even at, on some occasions to create things. But, you know, with OpenShop, it, it, it's, another, it's another learning curve. And I think you need to give these things time to learn how to use them properly. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the main thing. Take your time. These things are not simple softwares. They do a lot of work. They can do, I mean, real down nitty gritty stuff. So if, uh, if, if you're going to try it out, give it some time. Do multiple videos on it. I think it'll be good no matter what. All right. Well, that's it for the show. Hey, we're done. But I got a couple of announcements uh, outside of the new regular announcements. If you had issues getting to mintcast.org over the past few weeks, um, I and Josh Lowe were uh, fighting a little bit. There were some issues with billing, even though we were all paid up. So thank you to Josh Lowe for wrangling all of that for us. Um, I guess I was mostly doing the panicking and Josh was doing most of the, uh, of the work. But um, that was it. So um, he got things sorted out on the back end. The site came back up, and yeah, we're good to go. What was funny about that is that the site came up in a, about six hours before we were due to release the next episode. So <laughs> talk about coming in right under the wire, man. That was, um, yeah, 
that was that and was a close it's, one. Uh, taught us a lesson about backing up strategies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't have automatic backups <laughs> set up before, and so that that got me to uh, to finally set up automatic backups. You know, just in case we had to migrate somewhere else. I had backups, um, but yeah, yeah. Now I have better backups. <laughs> Anyway, next is uh, weighs a little on my heart, right? Uh, I'm going to be stepping down as host for the foreseeable future, starting with episode 272. So that's not now. That's not this episode. That's not the next episode or the next episode, but the episode after that. So 273, I will likely not be on. And so here's here's the deal, though. Um, I don't plan on leaving Mintcast. Uh, I just cannot do the weekends anymore. So what I'll be doing, though, is working more on the production side on all of that. So I do plan to, if uh, if I've got free weekends, I do plan to come on the show. If, uh, if uh, uh, And same for the Saturday show, live stream as well. I don't mind taking on the mantle of running those if I need to or anything like that. And, of course, I'll still be here for audio editing. Owen still does that for us, but um, especially right now at the beginning of a semester, um, you know, Bo and I kind of shared the, uh, the editing last episode. So yeah, I mean, I'll still be there as a backup for that. And of course, putting together the show, like, uh, the production stuff, I can still, as I go throughout the weeks and I notice news and things like that, fill the, fill that stuff out and, you know, topics for the shows, things like that. Um, yeah. So really this is just one less host. Most of the time is really the only change that's going to be happening, uh, as well, this goes. That, that basically... Leaves me and Tony as the regulars at this point. But uh, so I think the plan for now is for me to take over as the primary host, at least for a while. I don't know if I have the uh, personality for it, but um, I'm going to give it a shot for a while. And we will be trying to probably bring on some new blood with some new ideas. And maybe somebody will take over that. Yeah. That, that primary for me. Now, I did ask um, Matt from LibreQuest, and he did say he oh. would like to join, but he doesn't have the availability right now. So we'll see what happens in the okay. future with that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, so is that a general call to arms? Yeah. Can we say that? Yeah. Oh, I think so. And and let's face it, I, it it's very difficult to, you know, uh, remember that, it's three years since Rob and Isaac put out that shout to say they needed to lay it down for them. Uh, um, you know, the three or four of us uh, stepped up to the plate and, we, you know, we've been doing the show for nearly three years. Uh, and it makes me appreciate how long right, Rob right. did it for. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason yeah. that oh. Leah wants to go to episode 272. There is. I was about to say it, too. <laughs> go ahead. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, we were looking at, so Moss, um, before he took his uh, extended hiatus, had put together for us an Excel spreadsheet of pretty much every episode that every particular host has ever been on, and so we had a running tally for everybody. And uh, so Joe and I, turns out, never missed an episode, not one. So the cool thing about that is um, Moss left off at 67. We added on the new episodes that we had done. And the three episodes, uh, including this one, so two more episodes after this one, that I will be doing, and that will tie me. It won't win me yet. Yet. It'll tie me <laughs> with Joe Ressington. Hmm. 
So like right after Restington. you leave, I'm going to ask Joe Rez if he wants to come back for like a two episode no, run. Don't do that. No, and then I'll have to I'll have to keep coming back to to keep my number higher. So so here's my plan, okay? I'm I, I will be stepping down as the main host, but I have to make it back for at least one extra episode. At least I, there would be more, but at least one and. Every time Joe appears as a guest, yes, host. Every I will come back and then I will I will say it every single time. One more episode than uh, Joe Resting. Two more episodes than Joe. So Joe, if you're listening, uh, there's your opportunity to come in and uh, keep it. Uh, it'll be it'll be a battle. It'll be a battle. All right. So general call to arms, I would say. If you are interested in any way um, hosting or being a part of the show, even in a kind of a background capacity, please email mintcast at mintcast.org or join Telegram, the Matrix Group, or the Discord. And just let us know that you're interested in doing all of that. Now, I will recuse myself from any decisions uh, as far as you know, bringing on people or not, because soon enough I I, I won't be. Um, and I say head of the show, but it wasn't. It just I talked the most. That that was really it. But you know, <laughs> because because of my stepping down, I don't want to make those decisions anymore. I just want to support. So um, you know, I'll, I'll basically give the thumbs up to anybody. So I'll leave those decisions to uh, Tony and Joe, and if um, Josh and Bo still uh want to do the hosting and all that kind of stuff uh to them as well so any just say let's say to the audience though that leo is being very uh how shall i say uh deprecating Uh, of himself because without leo for the last two two and a half years uh the live show probably wouldn't have uh, continued uh, wouldn't have expanded the way all the changes the the improvements uh, yeah all the changes that we've done and moving over to video product you know to a a video live stream and all that you know a lot of things have come out of uh, what leo suggested and i think we need to give him a bit of kudos for that because uh it, you know, uh, I'm sure, you know, let us know what you think about some of these changes and uh, whether you've enjoyed them as well, because uh, we'll we'll be talking a bit more maybe on Leo's last full-time show yeah. about some of that. Definitely so. I, it'll be an ongoing conversation, I think. Well, thank you, by the way, uh, for all of that. That's, that's pretty fantastic. I do appreciate it all. Anyhow, so on to the regular announcements. Oh, hold on, are, hold, on, uh, hold, on, hold, on hold on, hold on, Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Uh-oh, what? Nishant on the uh, uh, chat wants to join us. He, he, he wants to try hosting. We, we knew that he would when we were discussing this yesterday. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, Nishant, uh, I have to admit, uh, your name came up yesterday. Just, I mean, thinking about people <laughs> that, that would be chomping at the bit to do this. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, we usually That's do cool. an interview episode, and we don't have a topic pick next next for next time. So I guess we could oh, do Nishan. Okay, that we'll talk more cool. Discord about that. I know Nishan's there. Um, we'll get that all set up. That'd be cool. All right. Well, the regular announcements are, of course, next episode, two p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, the nineteenth, September nineteenth. Uh, and the next live stream is going to be uh, Saturday, September 11th at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. So 
in the show notes, go get those links for the time conversion for your time zone. I might be on on the Saturday show. Woo! Oh, wait, and I we're going to be doing haiku, man. I have to be on the Saturday <laughs> show. No, because we're doing something else. <laughs> oh? You're giving me a lesson. Yeah, you're doing all uh, the a link lesson stuff. on how to set up all the uh, um, live stream and everything. Live stream. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I could totally do that for sure. And then if we have time, we'll do some haiku. I'm, I'm curious about the haiku thing. I really am. All right. So, um, yeah, so that'll do it for the show. Joe, where can we get more of you? Well, you can catch me on a couple of my other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which you can find at tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, which is linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email, jb at mintcast.org. And Bo's not here this time, but you can get him at undercastnetwork.com or find him on the Undercast Collective over there on YouTube's. And Tony? Yeah, you can uh, listen to some of my old uh, Hacker Public Radio uh, podcasts. So, uh, I'm host ID338, if you pop along to HPR. Uh, I'm on Twitter, TonyH1212. I'm on I'm th at mintcast.org, or you can get me on distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. And Josh Hawk's not here, but Josh on tech at mintcast.org, at Josh on tech on Twitter, and most other social sites, uh, including uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic. And one other thing that we forgot to mention in the announcements, though, is that Mike, as well, um, let us know that he has uh, familial obligations and will not be returning to the show. But as for me, LeoTravis.org and at LeoTravis on Twitter, at Leo at C.im on Mastodon, uh, or of course, LinuxUserspace.show. That'll, that'll keep happening. Just let's say we will miss yes, Mike. Yes, definitely. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mint Cast possible. Mike, for all of the shows that he has been on thus far. Owen Peary, for our audio editing. Josh Lowe, for all of his work on the website. Hobstar, for our logo. InitRD for the animated Discord logo, and Londoner for our time syncs. ByteMark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting all of our audio files. And of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Thanks Clem. Clem. And go! I thought you were This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Mint.